Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 564 with a review of Wild Rose. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, uh, I'm not sure exactly the the trajectory of where this film is being released. Um, yeah. I but- think it, it's in its second week of rolling out. So I think it just did New York, LA, and then we're like still among the early people and then it's starting okay. to go wide over the next week or two yeah it was definitely only playing in one theater in like the the main part of the city here um so we decided we were going to catch it um so we're going to talk about it uh, wild rose is a film about somebody who wants to go to nashville and become a country not country western just country music just country. star so my question for you Stephen, is what are your thoughts on the country music genre in general yeah i i've always struggled to figure out what counts as country and what doesn't like i, I don't know about you but i grew up in like a time and a scene where like liking country was not cool at all <laughs> like here here were things that were cool to like it was cool to like bob dylan johnny cash people who you could call like folk they're not country they're folk completely different and then when indie folk came on the scene <laughs> you say folk with a country accent <laughs> it separates them from being country yeah damn folk people yeah, right folk. there um, <laughs> and like then when indie folk came along like iron and wine or something that was also different like it was fine to love them yeah, yeah. but country was always bracketed as this like cheesy patriotic thing that nobody really liked and it's taken a while of growing up to realize that like those lines didn't exist and there's like there's bad country and there's good country. Yeah, there's like, um, <laughs> I don't want to say it. This is going to be a derogatory setting, but there's like hick country, yeah. which is like the stereotypical version of what you think of when you're thinking of country. But right. there's also other music from country artists that if you just heard in isolation, you wouldn't necessarily think was like a country song. Yeah. Well, and here's the funny thing too, is I grew up in the church and I realized at some point that like all worship songs are just country music, basically. <laughs> like, it's the same three-chord progression. It's the same everything. They just don't do the voice the exact same way. You might say it's three chords and the truth. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the way, the truth, and the life. Um, nice. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I've gone back, and I still have that kind of, like, general aversion to things that feel too twangy in the country way. But, like, uh, I've gone back and listened to Emmy Lou Harris. I really like her. I've listened to like Dolly Parton is surprisingly good. Like she would have not been someone I would have listened to as a kid. I, I like it. I appreciate it. I think I more appreciate the music that it inspired, like the blues and folk and kind of like edgier variants of the same thing. Yeah, I think that I my only really experience with country music has mostly been like stereotypical country that like I just have zero interest in. Um, and... But there are songs that I've heard of. I'm like, oh, this song's pretty good. I was like, it feels a little bit country, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I think that, yeah, like like you said, like like folk music that's sort of um, been a thing. It's it's like my gateway into. I mean, I enjoy bluegrass like legitimately, yeah. but that's like yeah, like you go in any direction and then you find something you like. It's just like that middle ground of country that can be difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're, one of my guilty pleasures is there. There is, I don't even know if it's the same people. There's a series of CDs. The bluegrass covers of different Yeah, things. where it's like bluegrass covers of like Blink-182 yeah. and Green Day and things like that. And it's like, 
that shit's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the type of music that's featured in this film. But yeah, I, I think that there's, as I've grown up, I've been exposed to more, uh, I don't know, quote, better country music where I'm like, this song was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. I, I've basically gotten to the point where like genre borders don't like make me steer away in the way that they used to. Now I'm like, I think every genre has a lot to like if you just like listen to the actual stuff that people care about. Yeah. yeah. But country I did, I have so many years of hipsterdom where it was like, <laughs> I, I forget who it was. I think it was a comedian at Clusterfest last week that said country is the one genre where people will like go out of their way to tell you they don't listen to it. Yeah. 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 I've, I've definitely been there in the past. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm into it. Like a, a movie that we will probably compare this one to American Honey. There's a scene where the Lady Annabellum song American Honey plays in the car in that movie. And I was like, I would never listen to Lady Annabellum. And I like, <laughs> I don't like country music, but I think I'm crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And ever since then, that's been on my Spotify playlist. <laughs> nice. When you need a little cry session. <laughs> mm. You know, Tuesdays. All right. Well, uh, what do you say we get into the review? Sure. But first... You are going to be gone, not just gone, but you're leaving the home of Nashville for roughly close to the home of Glasgow. <laughs> the home of Nashville? You mean the United States? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you're leaving the U.S. Uh, for not just the U.K., but for the, uh, this, well, not the U.K., for, <laughs> I was going to say for like the don't, Celtic Isles, but not. Don't mess this up. <laughs> I, I was reversing who was from where. I, I was going to say, like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the star in this film is actually from Ireland, yeah. which is where I'm going. But she plays a character from Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah. Which is not where you're going, but they do. She performs in one scene in this movie, at least, of being, like, Celtic pride or something. And that I think that word traverses both <laughs> Scotland and Ireland, <laughs> if I'm if I'm correct. Uh, I'm Jamie just, can yell at me uh, later. Yeah, I'm going to let you go in it, because I don't want to get yelled at. <laughs> I stand by it. I believe both of those are Gaelic slash Celtic. I think they're, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to Google the word Celtic. Is, is it not pronounced Celtic? It might be Celtic. <laughs> it is Celtic. Cool. Uh, we, ha- we have it here officially from Wikipedia. Uh, the, the Celts or the Celts. <laughs> no one knows for sure. Um, constitutes a branch of the Indo-European family, which primarily includes Irish and Scottish Gaelic and Welsh. So there you go. Nailed People it. in the like coastal areas up north yonder. We're doing good here. Um, so we're going to take a listen to the trailer <laughs> for Wild Rose. And then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. <laughs> I've worn out the stones in front of your doorstep. Coming and going, coming and going. You served 12 months. You're ridiculous. Well, whose fault was it? What was the judges, obviously, for gave me the sentence? She's put her childish ways behind her. (laughs) Her children are living with her once again. They miss me. wants to see a convicted criminal up there. Johnny Cash is a convicted criminal, you ball bag. The kids tell me you're a singer. I'm actually trying to get to Nashville. Do you not think you've sacrificed enough for that fantasy? This is me trying to make something of myself, and surely that's a good thing for them. 
You don't stick at things. That's your trouble. No but when you put your mind to something, you can do anything. But I found one stronger than stone. Ain't no place like home. Ain't no place like Because it's three chords in the truth. Ain't no place like home. That was the trailer for Wild Rose, and it is basically about a young woman who has just done a stint in the jail, and uh, she is now out and free, and she's trying to get back into her life, and she is sort of trying to build up um, some money and stuff so she can chase her dream of one day moving to Nashville and becoming a country music star because uh, in Glasgow, apparently the country music scene is not as good as it is in Nashville. Um, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Wild Rose? So I went into this movie with pretty high expectations. Like uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, I had it prefaced with a text from one Carson Patrick telling me that like he had seen it and it was definitely my jam. It was going to be one of my favorite movies. I have to check it out. Um, and, and then, of course, I saw other critics were also like raving pretty heavily about this movie. And I would say this movie mostly lived up to that feeling. Um, I, I don't think it quite has the ingredients of some of the things I've really loved that came before it. Like uh, American Honey was one comparison that I heard a lot. The idea of like looking at how someone in a more rugged place in life who has dreams of breaking free of their hometown, how they live. Um, I think it's, it isn't quite as abrasive as I would have wanted, which is not a thing I would have expected to say about any movie. But this is a kind of like, this is a sweet movie where the lead is making mistakes and you are supposed to be a little frustrated by her, but primarily, like, you're supposed to love her too much to care about the frustration. Yeah. And I think occasionally where the movie falters is that it dips too much into the sentimental, into, like, the predictable upswing of her life in a way where I would have kind of rather it never be optimistic, <laughs> which is, is you, not... You a... wanted her peeing herself on stage at the Grammys. Exactly, like... <laughs> yeah. No, I wanted... We'll talk in, like, off mic or in spoilers or something about what I wanted the ending of this movie to be. Uh, but avoiding the the high bar that, like, I went into it with, which is not the movie's fault, I, I thought it was a very sweet movie, and I think it's, like, almost entirely carried by the lead performance of Jessie Buckley, the main the main actress. I think she's just wonderful she's like she's not afraid to be like messy when she needs to be messy there are times especially when she's like going on stage or like getting out of prison in the opening scene where there's a kind of like ferocity to her um the opening you're gonna hate me for it but it reminded me of the party's just beginning of the like <laughs> the, the feeling of someone just like we're in Scotland. I'm fucking here. Step back. Watch me. Just, watch me go. Just her smashing and then eating a <laughs> fistful of chips. Exactly. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. There's a kind of, there's a thing in the Glasgow scene, especially that just feels like a kind of 
everything sucks, fuck you, we're going to live life to the fullest. And this movie definitely carries a little bit of that, but then it it softens it a ton. And I think there are a lot of really, really lovely moments here in the movie, especially when she is... So for one thing, not just like the few times when she sings in the movie, but the soundtrack is almost all Jesse Buckley singing. So like she got very deep into country music to play this role. Yeah. And I think her performing, her having moments of tenderness... I think those work like incredibly well. I think that there's a undercurrent of like the the difficulty of getting quote trapped with children too early in life that kind of infuses the whole movie. This feeling of you have your dreams and then there's this other thing right here and how do you like how do you untangle them? And I think the movie does a really nice job of doing that. Um, I I just felt like it was a it was a little gentler on the landing than I would have wanted. It like it tidies up a little bit too neatly. But overall, I thought there was a ton to love about this movie. I really enjoyed her journey. I just like watching her. She just had a kind of like infectious. I don't I don't know what the word is. There's like a, a a like a playful brazenness to her where like when she's interacting with other people, like there were just tons of lines where I was like laughing or had a big smile on my face while she was fucking around with somebody. Yeah. Um. And I think, like, the other characters are fleshed out nicely, too. Like, I really liked... He's not in much of the movie at all, but she has this boyfriend character who were introduced to him. <laughs> you like this guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I like I, I like the character. Like, we're introduced to him because she knocks on the door of his mother's house. And she's saying, like, she's out of prison. And his mom is trying to shoo her away. And he storms out of the bathroom fully naked and, like... Like, still sopping wet. <laughs> And it's just, like, the, this classic, like, fuck-up character. Um, and I feel like the movie kind of smiles lightly on, like, the fuck-ups of the world. Yeah. Um, I, I think the grandma character, too, is very, like, very warm and believable. There's a scene in this movie where she, after being mostly the strict person saying no to everything, she gives a kind gesture. And I thought that felt very, like, very real and moving in a the quiet way of someone who's, like spent their whole life to just do this one thing for someone else. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was a sweet movie. I, I, I like the music a lot. I like the lead actress. I think it's a nice story that doesn't... It doesn't go too big. Like, it does a good job of keeping it in this world of, like, lack of upwards mobility and the, the dream that music can give you of, like, the chance of escaping into a bigger and better place. Uh, Sing Street is another comparison, uh, for sure. But yeah, there, there was just something that wasn't quite as like transcendent as some of those movies I've really loved. Uh, it kind of felt like it was a really good performance with a lot of heart in a very typical movie plotting. And that typicalness kind of lowered it just a notch from me like being in love with it. Yeah, I, I think I think I enjoyed this film quite a lot. Um, I think that if I can compare it to the last film we reviewed, Toy Story 4, this feels like a film where... Which the- Jesse's better, though. <laughs> but no, I, I, I feel like this film is one of those ones where the narrative that you're signing up for is not the real message of the film and not the most interesting part of it. Like, mm-hmm. her, her, like, chasing after this dream is not exactly fully fleshed out. Like, she has this dream of, of becoming a Nashville country star, but... That dream is she is incredibly great at singing 
and she has a map of Nashville with a postcard that says Nashville on it. Mm-hmm. And that's really all, like, that's all we can really, under- oh, and she has a tattoo that says three, three chords three and, and the, the truth. truth. Um, and I feel like nothing about her story convinces me that country music specifically means so much to her. It's just a character who is interested in becoming a country music star telling this other story, which is really about dreams versus reality mm-hmm. and the choices you make in life and where they take you and whether um, whether or not you achieve those dreams, are you missing out on something or are you totally fine where you are? Like there, there's this really amazing, like there's, 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 there's repetition in this film of all of the main people we follow have all experienced life at different speeds. Um, be like, as you said, kind of being saddled with children early and sort of like framing their understanding of their own life in this small town through that lens. And each character experience that reality a little bit differently. And we get a look at how they see their own lives and how they see each other's lives through that lens. And I think that part of the story is really, really compelling and very, very interesting. And, and like where this film takes you, um, it's just like, I thought it, I thought it's not that it, and it's not that I feel like it did have that emotional resonance. It's just that it had a lot of interesting things to say about that. And I think the things it's saying there are far better than the narrative it's weaving. And the narrative itself feels a little bit weak and not necessarily built well enough. But what I'm actually getting from it actually does hit me in that way that's really, really compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the really interesting thing is like, you know, you, you've talked about that the bow is maybe a little too nicely tied at the end of this film, but there is a time jump before that bow gets tied. Yeah. And it almost feels like... The end is more like an epilogue. Yeah, yeah. And I think that this film could have ended before that epilogue and it would be really, really compelling. And I think it might actually have that weight um, that you want and that the the bow itself, this epilogue, is for audiences to experience that like unbroken like three minutes of experience where all the characters gets to experience something, but that doesn't, I, I it, it feels, I, if I can string it along to another thing, it feels mm. a little bit of like um, the Florida project, right? Right. Where it's like, I don't consider that ending shot. No, I, I, to I, I really was going to say the, the same thing because there's a, there's a shot near the ending where she is performing and then a, a musician starts accompanying her where I thought, and I still maintain this might be true. Like, this is a fantastical thing. This is <laughs> she like, had an aneurysm and died right yeah, well, in that moment. <laughs> not, not necessarily, but like this is like a projection of her hopes and what this means to yeah. her, and this is the most we're going to get. Yeah. And I was completely happy with that. So I, the bow didn't really bother me. It's just like, if I, I feel like it would have really stuck the landing if it kept it to this like grounded, somewhat yeah. pessimistic view of, not even pessimistic, just like, I, I don't know, a, a view of the world that wasn't quite as, yeah. predictably positive as the one we get in the end. And, and I really, really, really love that moment, by the mm-hmm. way. Like, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. I, in that moment, in my head, I was thinking, suck it, Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel like it it, it, it accomplishes a similar uh, character moment, but so much more grounded in what I consider reality, mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to, like, like, during that moment, I wasn't thinking, this couldn't possibly happen. I was thinking... 
this is so much better <laughs> than that moment in A Star is Born. And, it, and I think, again, a lot of it does go back to Jessie Buckley. She's just the character you want to root for, right? Like, yeah. she's so... Her flaws are very believable. Like, we were talking off mic about uh, a scene where she's on the train and she has this big break and she immediately goes off and starts, like, buying rounds of drinks for everybody and kind of getting... being a little too reckless. And you can feel you're bracing for something bad happening. But, like, she's just so kind of charming and like delightfully free of everything that you like you want her to do well anyway and i think like when she does get those big moments where she proves to everyone i'm not a fuck up i can do this like i'm gonna commit to something and blow you away you just like you want to like just raise your fist and be like hell yeah you can yeah i I think that is also one of the things that is very like when i say the story isn't woven well enough to like the first time we really, really see her sing, like, I teared up during that scene because it was so amazing. And part mm-hmm. of it, like, if I'm honest, part of it is the acting of the other characters who are also witnessing in that yeah. moment. And this the, is when she's recording something. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So in that moment, there is a lot of heavy, like, obviously, she's brilliant, sounds beautiful, mm-hmm. she's amazingly talented. But there's also these other characters of varying ages who are reveling in like what they're witnessing in that moment yeah. and and, I think, and the, the whole scene is just very tender too it's like the sun's coming in the blinds yeah, and the camera is yeah, like yeah. really drenching it on you yeah like it, it's it's just an amazingly well done scene and it like emotionally hit me in a way that just was like i was like this is fucking great yeah. <laughs> right and i don't even remember where i was starting to go at that point i just i think that like oh yeah what i was, what I was gonna say is like there is never a point where we don't think she's deserving of stardom, right? Mm-hmm. In other stories where somebody just has, like, imagine a story of, like, a young wannabe rocker who's, like, a garage band kid, right? Like, somebody who, like, has, like, a shitty little crate amp <laughs> and, like, yeah. a used guitar and, like, can play some power chords and just wants to move to, like, Seattle or something and become a rocker. Where, like, you don't want to support that, like... The moment she opens her mouth, you're like, this is fucking talent. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, if I was a scout, I would scout her. I, that's what scouts do, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of weird to imagine, like, people not believing in her, especially in this small town where her other options are uh, be a whatever. Work the, for the baker. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I do, like, whatever it is. Like, I feel like other people in that town would be cheering her on to get out of of this like small part of glasgow that she's in because they would want her to achieve more than like just working at this house for some random woman right yeah so it's kind of that is sort of working against the narrative where you're just like oh yeah clearly if you just sing in front of anybody you'll probably be okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah 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 there's definitely something it's a little too perfect like i would have i think it'd be more powerful if it took more of a progression for you to really see her talent because it it is, I feel like in the narrative of the movie, it wouldn't really be any different if she was not an amazing singer, right? If this is just her dream and she's pursuing her dream, Eddie the Eagle style, you know, of like, yeah. this is all I've ever wanted to do and damn the odds and like damn whatever objective standard you're going to measure yeah. me by. Um, or if she was like, how does a fat man from wherever? <laughs> yeah. But in, in instead it like like it, it's a lovely movie and I 
leading with my negative feelings is only because I was measuring this by the bar of, will this be my favorite movie of the year? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? gotcha. And I was trying to figure out, like, why did this tug at my heart in all the right ways and still not, like, totally clear that yeah. full-on love? And I think it's that I, when I think about other movies, like, I, I don't think you've seen Fish Tank by Andrea Arnold. I have. Oh, you have? Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so, like, that's an example to me of a movie that takes, like, lower class living in the UK and is like, we're going to make you like stare at just how rough it can get. And you still have to try to empathize with the main character. Yeah. And I feel like, like the party's just beginning. I know like you felt differently about it, but it was definitely about like this mood of being in a place where you feel like trapped in your circumstance. And like, all you can do is try to fritter your life away and imagine things being more heightened than they really are. And I feel like I wanted this movie to dip into a little bit more of that darkness because I think Jessie Buckley is so good. She could still pull you out of it in the end. Like, I think she could fuck up 10 times worse than she does in this movie yeah. and still reach a satisfying conclusion that would make me feel no less for her. Well, see, see, here's the thing is the only time she's really technically fucked up is, is a time that is not in this yep. film. It's before the film starts. And it's another time where, if I'm honest, my biggest complaint about the film is that she is withholding information from other characters. And all of the like dread that she has is something that really is unimportant to the story. Like, there was one line where a character makes some assumption about her mm-hmm. because she hasn't mentioned something yet. And she takes that as, oh, if anybody finds out about this, it'll be the end of everything for me. Mm-hmm. And n- unless I'm like, unless there's something that this film requires you to know Glasgow culture and understand some things about like having children out of wedlock or something, like I feel like there is things she is trying to hide. Like I get it. You don't want somebody who's employing you to come to their house for eight hours a day and be around their children to know that you've been in jail for 12 months. Right. But all the other things, I don't see how that has any bearing on who she is. I I think, because I was kind of feeling this too, and I think it's about her idea of the dream. Her dream, like when people ship off to Nashville to be famous, they don't ship off to Nashville to like, be there for a week and meet a music producer and end it. They ship off to like live there for years yeah. and toil away and try to do it. And, and they, I think they fill a suitcase and bring a guitar yeah. and hope that they make it. And so I think her whole dream and the dream she wanted everyone to feed into was that of like the dream of picking up and abandoning everything. And the the reality of her life doesn't afford that. And this movie kind of tries to let us have it both ways and we kind of see the wish fulfillment and we also see it feeling kind of empty and strange. Um, but uh, like, I think that's what she's struggling against is the feeling that like the dream she has bought into doesn't include most of the realities of her life. Yeah. And I, I do agree that like she could have been honest with the people in her life and nothing would have changed probably. Yeah. That, but the, the dream, the story that she wants them all to buy into suddenly gets polluted by this like the real thing that is tethering her to her home yeah yeah i I just for me it felt like there's a scene where she has to come to grips with the truth of her life and i feel like if she just came to grips with that it would like there would be no problem there would be a hug and a oh honey i'm so sorry and then everything would continue as 
we want it to continue, yeah. right? So it feels like a lot of artificial ups and downs. And while the overall through narrative that we're seeing is really, really strong and very, very kind of like poignant commentary on what it means to have a dream about doing something and what it means to maybe not even pursue the dream. And and like, I really love that part of the story. And I think that her trajectory throughout the film is not what I liked about the film. Mm -hmm. It was um, her charisma and um, just seeing these three women and how they view themselves and the people in their lives and their thoughts about what they may or may not have missed um, throughout their growing up. Yeah. So, so you mentioned there are three women, and I'm I'm wondering what you feel about the the character of uh, Susanna, the the person who's employing her. Yeah. Because I, for me, she she's this interesting thing because she kind of represents the the upper class of the area, the person who can afford to do whatever they want, but for other life reasons, maybe is kind of planted in one place. And I feel like for a lot of the movie, we see her kind of as the audience surrogate, like the person who's discovering, uh, discovering Rosalind's talent and wants to like nurture it and bask in it and help it. And there's a certain point in the movie when it starts to feel like, like not as warm anymore. It starts to feel like there's a distance between them or like she's, co-opting it or like she likes what Rosalind represents rather than who she is. And I, I, I couldn't quite tell where the movie is trying to steer me because it feels like, I feel like a conflicted relationship with that character. And then in the end of the movie, we get to see her again and it feels like we're back in her corner. And I never totally reconciled that with, with what she is supposed to be. So I, I think we saw it similarly, but I don't see a negative in what she is presenting herself as. Mm-hmm. I feel that she is very much a person who didn't even have dreams necessarily, just found herself like prematurely matured in life, right? Yeah. Like she is suddenly in this thing where her life is now set for her and she has theoretically, she has the means to have whatever, but not actually the means to leave and go do whatever she wants. Like she has a life that other people from afar would not worship, but like praise. She drinks bottled water. (laughs) But for her, it's not, it's not like she doesn't feel the accomplishment of what her social status is. Yeah. And like she at first just sees her as, as being somebody who's like, you know, like, Oh, I'm just, uh, this is the girl who's working in my house right now. And she gets a very strange proposal and was like, oh, honey, I can't do that. That's ridiculous. And then she thinks about it for a second and goes like, it is ridiculous, but I never got to try to be ridiculous. Right. And she wants she wants her to succeed. And I don't know if that's completely like an audience surrogate. Like we we are rooting for her, but she is like, how can I help her too much without helping her too much? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like how can I how can I be supportive without like going into the kind of condescending like I'm just going to do everything for yeah. you mentality. And and I think honestly that first I think that first let's sit down and make a recording. Yeah. was sort of not condescending, but I think it was sort of like let's put things in perspective and just do this thing mm-hmm. and then it'll be done. 
And it's in the moment of watching her perform that she goes, like, I think her whole world, like, suddenly changes. Yeah. And, and it's not just a person with a childish dream. It's a person with honest talent who has no means to present that talent to the world. And she yeah. kind of feels like, I, A, probably never had a dream of my own. And B, even if I did, I never thought it could really happen. Mm-hmm. And this is a person who, if it weren't for the fact that she has no means to make it happen, could probably make it happen. Yeah. And and there was I, I I was totally on board with her trajectory. Yeah, I, I guess I feel like there's there's a party scene in this movie where I feel like we are supposed to feel that everything is a little cheap or fake or like there's a contrast between the the passion that the main character has for country music and the the dress up game that everyone around her is doing in service to it and i like i don't know maybe it isn't trying to say anything good or bad it's just like this is how this character would behave in this situation but there's just a moment when i feel a kind of class thing of like lower class really wanting something and then the upper class like thinking it would be cute or fun to buy into it for a little while in a way that, like, they haven't walked in her shoes, so they can't totally, like, relate to the depth of which she cares about this thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was poking it very hard. It just seemed like one of the more interesting parts of the movie that it could have been very cliched, and instead they decided to make this character be, like, a little bit harder to connect with, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I do agree all three women are really good. Like, I, I love the, the mother character. She's this, yeah, like, yeah. very... I mean, she's the grandmother that's basically been raising her kids while she's in jail. Yeah, um, yeah. And the kids very straightforwardly prefer her to, <laughs> to their actual mother. Yeah. Um, and she does this, this good, very believable, tough love thing that is born from her whole life. But then it's also never hate either. It's like, yeah. it's this really warm good believable stern mother yeah, thing. yeah and if if i were her i would feel a little shortchanged by the vacation that happens at the end <laughs> <laughs> a good francis hall moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm. i love i think one of my favorite bits of dialogue in the movie is when um uh rosalyn rosalyn I think Rosalind is her name, not Rosalind. Um, anyway, when when the lead character first approaches uh, her boss um, for money, and she starts by having this little rambling conversation of like, oh, you know, I mean, I'm trying to get to Nashville, and yeah, it should be like 2005, definitely no more than six or 7,000. And and the boss is like, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you're not, asking me for the money she's like no oh no i am (laughs) (laughs) and then she goes on this little tirade about how like i mean just look at this house and you drink bottled water like for me i could go my whole life and never get there but you just drink out of the tap for a little while (laughs) it was pretty funny yeah (laughs) and the ironic thing too is with her throwing that party is proof that like literally oh for sure that party cost more than a flight to nashville (laughs) yeah yeah but uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was like a birthday party for Amabella right there. <laughs> so, uh, should we get to verdicts for this film? Sure. Stephen Miller, if you were going to give us a must see, reckon with the caveat, wait for until pass with the caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? Even though I hedged it, this is still a pretty easy must see to me. I feel like the the star power, like Jesse Buckley, is so charismatic in this movie, and it's just lovely watching her. Um, 
she's a beautiful singer too and i think the soundtrack is really great in the film and it it just carries a bunch of emotions very very well it dips into the class struggle that i usually am on board for you mentioned florida project american honey uh i daniel blake is another good example like these movies that are just about people who are like trapped inside a a cycle of poverty where the very idea of getting out and doing something new is like it can only be a dream like it's almost completely unreachable and the idea of watching someone go through that and maybe find a lifeline in another person for whom it wouldn't even be a big deal to grant her dream right but it's still like that yeah. that friction i think that's really really interesting and then you pile in kids and the other things that anchor you to your life and i think it's just a very a good complicated movie that is maybe more tied in a bow and cliched by the end than it needed to be, but that still doesn't counter all the good things about it. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll give it a must-see as well. Um, I, yeah, I think that if it weren't for hearing good murmurings and stuff about this film, I might not have seen it just given my own, like, walking to the theater one weekend. Um, But I think that I I was really impressed with just some of, like, the weight of some of the moments between some of the characters in this film. And I think it's it's a very um, it's a very interesting film with some very interesting kind of theses about like your dreams in life and whether or not it's important to achieve them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's gonna do it then for this review of Wild Rose. Uh, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com/sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash warning, Facebook.com slash warning, or Instagram.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Wild Rose, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, and yeah, did, did your ticket come with the link to download the album? I uh, No, it didn't, or at least I didn't notice if it did. Okay, yeah. I just found it on Spotify right after. I it, it, Technically, it worked out, because I, I originally was supposed to see this on Thursday, and I'd bought a ticket, and then due to traffic and a bunch of other things i ended up missing the showing and then i got home that night and i had an email from what whoever published the soundtrack and it was like here's your link to get the soundtrack for free yeah. <laughs> and i was like cool <laughs> so it all worked out um, <laughs> but yeah that music's playing right now so hopefully you guys are enjoying that yep and uh yeah i will be gone for the next two weeks um we may try to record a remote episode for a review of uh midsummer yeah um so look forward to that we will be joined by uh, Carson Patrick for a review of uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Far From Home. Um, so there's that. <laughs> you guys may be doing another film just for fun, I guess. We'll, we'll find out. I'm going to see how many things I cram in while you're gone. Um, yeah, and then I will be back in two weeks. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out when these come out. But yeah, yeah. we'll try. But yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Oh,